looking for some new swag, whether it's for business or for leisure, let Happy Jack's Designs take care of your needs. From planners to iPad covers, mugs, coasters, to t-shirts, to bracelets, Happy Jack's has you covered. Hit them up at etsy.com slash shop slash Happy Jack's Designs. Jack's as in J-A-C-S. Find them on social media platforms at Happy Jack's Designs. Let them take you hashtag up another level. Hey, y'all, this is Byron. I just want to put something out there. Yes, I am a mental health therapist. And yes, my couch is quite comfortable. However, if you're listening to this podcast, it is not a substitute for a therapeutic relationship with a certified or licensed mental health therapist. So though I appreciate you taking the time out to listen to me and hopefully gain some information and insight about what's going on with you from listening to this podcast, take the time to seek out mental health resources in your area if you so need to. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. This is, uh, I don't have a medal for this. Hang on. I'm so proud of you, Guardian, and I want you to have this. My dear Uncle Shacks or Lord Shacks would like you to have this, this podcast that I'm recording on a Tuesday because I am suffering from post-Super Bowl hangover. Not a real hangover, you know, not like a I drank way too much during the game and didn't eat enough or ate a lot. And then I drank even more kind of hangover, but a more of a, yo, <laughs> I, this feeling is amazing. Um, I don't want to do anything but bask in the glory of this victory kind of hangover. Um, and I got to say that watching my Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the Super Bowl on their home field. 31 to 9 in convincing fashion, reminiscent of our first Super Bowl victory where our defense destroyed the Oakland Raiders and scored three defensive touchdowns. My Buccaneers came through with three sacks, two interceptions on Patrick Mahomes, had the poor man running for his life. And sadly, yes, it is Black History Month and the black quarterback just went down to, of course, Tom Brady. And I'm not saying that I like Tom Brady because I don't, but. I have put 20, 23 long years into being a Buccaneers fan. 23 long years since 1997, 1998. And I got to experience watching my team win the Super Bowl on their home field with my daughter, surrounded by my family, watching me get more and more and more irritating as the night went on. 
And I just got to say that it just feels Thank you very much. You are so welcome. Thank you, uh, Scott Hall and Eric Bischoff. Um, I just want to say that I want to dedicate this podcast to all of the haters, um, to all of the Saints fans who have lambasted my franchise for many years while you got really good, went to the NFC Championship game like four times, won the Super Bowl. All that good jazz. Set records. Drew Brees winning the MVP. Sending a bunch of people to the Pro Bowl and all pro team. I also want to send this out to the Carolina Panthers who got Cam Newton to the Super Bowl and then fell flat on your face. Hey, you still don't have any rings. And I also want to send a shout out to the Atlanta Falcons because you people, other than Outcast being from Atlanta, you people have sullied the good name of Atlanta. You guys squandering the greatest lead in the Super Bowl to the guy who just won me a Super Bowl. Squandered the biggest lead in the Super Bowl. And will be a perpetual joke for the end of eternity. This goes out to all of y'all. Because my Bucks have two Super Bowls. To the Saints one. To the Panthers and Falcons zero. As my best friend Ricky said earlier this week. I'm going to be a nightmare, and he knows me better than almost anybody on earth, and he was correct. Your boy is on cloud nine. It is a glorious day here in the Taylor household. We, well, at least my part of the Taylor household, myself and my daughter are, well, mainly me. My daughter's kind of like, yay, we won. And I'm like, yay, we won. But alas... We are Super Bowl 55 champions. And y'all can't tell me nothing for a while. I'm just saying. Don't care if the Rockets don't make the playoffs. Don't care if we don't make the playoffs next year. I got two rings. Unless the Saints win the Super Bowl next year, y'all can't tell me nothing. Well, at least till next season starts and then we'll see what happens. But hey, we'll still be defending champs until we get eliminated from the playoffs. That being said, welcome to the Captain's Couch. My name is Byron Taylor. It is a late Tuesday evening. I do apologize for the episode being out late um, this week. I've, As you can tell, Super Bowl kind of had your boy's mind occupied. So this is session number 68 of the Captain's Couch. Um, now, the clip at the beginning of the episode this week is um, Lord Shax um, from Destiny. And Destiny 2, he is the in-game narrator for the player versus player content in the game that's called The Crucible. Um, now, for anybody, for those who do not know who Lord Shax is, who the voice of Lord Shax is, if you watch The Walking Dead and are familiar with the character Morgan, that is the voice of Lord Shax, the actor Lenny James, who many people don't know is British. So, um... This week's episode, I picked a clip from Lord Shax. One, because Lenny James is black, and you know this podcast is very black-centric. Um, but also, two, because this week we're going to talk briefly about 
video games. Um, most of you know I am a lifelong gamer. I am of the Nintendo generation. Um, originally, uh, I will never forget the day. And somehow I still remember this, but it was Christmas of 1988. I was four years old. Uh, my older brother at the time was eight. And my mom and dad bought us our very, very first video game system. And it was the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment Center uh, system. And I will never forget the joy of opening that box and seeing Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. And then spending the next four years just mindlessly playing that thing on the weekends. Because my parents had this particular rule that. You cannot play video games during the week. You are allowed to play video games on the weekend starting Friday after school and all the way up until Sunday evening at 6 p.m. This was the rule until basically I graduated high school. Um, this was the rule of our house. So this is actually a rule that I use for quite some time with Naora. And I though I do let her play during the week, she typically kind of doesn't because... She's kind of preoccupied uh, with guard stuff or school stuff in general. But video games have been a very vital part of my life. Um, you know, one 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 of the I don't really jump on people's social media like um, opinions a lot, um, especially when it comes to Twitter nowadays, because um, as we've seen that rational kind of takes don't necessarily make for trending topics. Um, but one, one kind of um, narrative that I very much find very aggravating and, and annoying is the notion that grown adults should not be playing video games. Um, that is nonsense. When you consider that we are the grown adults whom were children that made video game consoles boom when we were kids. If honestly, if it were not for my generation of adults, our childhoods and our parents buying consoles, especially the NES, video games may not look the way they look. Um, they, you know, the console home video game system was a very novel idea when myself and Ricky and Dustin, um, my older brother, Ben, you know, my friend Courtney, when we were kids, the idea of a, of a video game console at home was a very novel idea. Um, because most console video games were played in arcades, you know, your Pac-Man's, your Donkey Kong's little world. Yes, Atari did exist before NES, but it was the NES who basically like revolutionized and saved the, the video game industry. Um, I think there's a, a dope documentary about um, like Nintendo or and like the uh, the evolution of video games that I think I've seen one time. I cannot remember the name of it for the life of me, um, but it, it went through the different generations and the evolution of you know home gaming consoles from ColecoVision and Pong to the NES that spurred on and like you know completely changed the game um you know to the super nintendo and the sega genesis which were just mind-blowing consoles in their time to eventually 
the, believe it or not, still to this day, highest selling console of all times, the PlayStation 2, which still is nuts to me because we're like four generations later and the PS2 is still the highest selling console of all time. But video games are a very important part still of my life. And for a lot of adults, video games are a coping strategy and a coping mechanism that we still use when we come home from work. Um, we still invest money into them. We have subscription services, whether that be PlayStation Network or Nintendo uh, Online or Xbox Live or Xbox Game Pass, which is a really, really, really dope um, innovation that Microsoft is doing. Um, I wish I had more downtime, like in the workday that I could like use game pass away from home and play destiny i know game pass is still kind of relatively new and i know they're going to continue to work on um the connectivity and stuff like that or mobile data streaming especially as 5g rolls out more and more and more um but gaming is still a vital part of my life um and we'll talk about today some mental health benefits of video gaming um as crazy as it sounds, there are actually some very, very positive benefits of gaming, especially in the current generation and the current, you know, state of the world, especially with the pandemic. So we'll start off with an article from The Guardian and we're going to look at video games can be can benefit mental health finds Oxford academics. So a recent study from Oxford University shows that video games can be good for your mental health. Um, the study focused on game on players, or I was trying to say gamers, on gamers of uh, the very, very, very popular Nintendo game Animal Crossing, um, as well as the game, the EA Sports, not EA Sports, the EA game Plants vs. Zombies Battle for Neighbor, Neighborville, right? Um, and found that people who played more games tend to report feeling, uh, feelings of greater well-being, um, casting doubt on reports that video gaming can be harmful towards your mental health. Um, the study is one of the first done with actual game playtime data. Um, thanks to internet, the internet connectivity of video games nowadays. Um, when we talk about internet connectivity, we call those things, things like Destiny, um, Destiny 2, which I play tons of, um, things like Animal Crossing, things like Final Fantasy Online, Elder Scrolls Online. We call those things live service games. Um, Destiny, which has been my methamphetamine for the past, going on seven years now um is a live service online multiplayer first person shooter game now the thing with destiny is that it's not a game that you can just pause and put down and come back to um what we mean by live service we mean a game that is constantly connected to the internet and that is constantly running whenever you're in an activity um there are spaces in the game where you can sit and not do anything but in the middle of those, um, in the middle of the game activities, you are not able to just pause the game. So looking at games like that, um, the study 
they were able to link up psychological questionnaires with true records of time spent gaming. Previous studies have tended to focus on self-reported playing time, which is, you know, the study found weaker correlated than in reality. So one thing to consider that may be a downside to the idea of playing video games, and it's something that I've talked to a couple of my clients about, is that especially as something like video games that adults over children tend to criticize the kids for playing too much of, you may often underreport the amount of time that you play a video game unless it is actually tracked. Um, and then you can look at the quantifiable data of such. Yeah, games like Animal Crossing, games like Destiny, Destiny One and Destiny Two. Um, I know especially I can speak for Desti- for the Destiny series because I play those extensively. And um, there is actually online databases that connect to the servers that um, run the game with uh, from Bungie that actually track how much time you played in the game. Um, I know. I don't have it on hand, but I know I've actually played less time in Destiny 2 than I did Destiny 1. Um, I think my Destiny 1 time was like close to like maybe 2,500 hours, I believe. Um, and I know I think I've probably spent like maybe 1,500 hours or something like that um, playing Destiny 2. Um, life's been a little bit more hectic the past few years um, with Destiny 2 than with Destiny 1, which is crazy because D1, I played mostly throughout the last couple of years of my marriage. Um, so this is a quote from, from Andrew Preslewski, who said, quote, this is about bringing games into the fold of psychological research. That is not a dumpster fire. This lets us explain and understand games as a leisure activity. It was a quest to figure out data is collected by gaming companies, vaguely useful for academic research and health policy research. Um, Prezluski uh, said that at the start of the project, he was surprised by how little, by how little data that companies were had had about their players tracking their game timeage. Um, with previous studies into pre, uh, potential harms or benefits of gaming, um, the study he Prezluski wanted to show that if you play four hours a day of Animal Crossing, you're a much happier human being. But that's only interesting because of all the other research before this is done. So because all the other research before this one was done so badly, Uh, researchers are keen to emphasize that the findings are not a carte blanche pass for playing video games. So as a clinician and as a therapist, right? Well, same thing. So whenever I'm working with my kids on like safety plans or understanding their interests, and the things that are kind of important to them, you know, what we have this thing at work where we come up with what we call um, proactive strategies. Um, so those kind of things are things that we use to help our children understand um Things that they can do to help them with their behavior, to help them with their mood, to help them with um, all of those things, to help them calm down, coping strategies that help them kind of relax and take it easy. Um, so one of the things that a lot of my kids are interested in doing is playing video games. But 
I may use video games as a teaching tool or I may use video games as a fun activity, maybe even doing the sessions. I haven't done that in a long time, but I have done it in the past. But I don't just flat out say, oh, this kid can just constantly just play video games as a way to um, to just goof around and not do anything. No, you still need to be responsible for the stuff that you're doing. And one of the conversations that I often have with parents is um, age appropriate gaming. Um and I often use my daughter as an example that I don't necessarily say that a five-year-old kid should be playing Grand Theft Auto because um, I would never say that. Like, that's not an age-appropriate gaming. You know, if a five-year-old wants to play Minecraft, that makes perfect sense. Uh, Minecraft is a game that is very, very useful for um, helping cultivate kids' uh, imaginations, creativity. Um, you know, creative thought processes, you know, critical thinking skills, things like that. Um, learning how to build architecture, architecture, geometry, those kind of things. Um, but that, that same child that should not be turning around and playing things like GTA for sure. So President Lucy says, quote, we all have evidence, um, for, those things as well, saying that, quote, I'm very confident that if the research goes on and we learn about the things that we think of as toxic in games, we will have evidence for those things as well, like, you know, murder and those kind of things like that. Um, research only showed two all age games or they studied only two all age games. Other modes of play could potentially be less wholesome, like, you know, first person shooters and p- player versus player. Um, you know, Grand Theft Auto with the very, you know, nah, I wouldn't say bizarre, but very almost lifelike criminality in a way, just normalizing criminality, I guess is a good way to kind of phrase it when it comes to a game like GTA. Um, uh, similarly, the attitude comes to gaming can could affect, um, the middle impact it has. Um, the paper contrasts what we would consider intrinsic enjoyment, playing a game because it's fun with extra extrinsic meaning that it is more concerning behaviors such as feeling bullied into playing either by other players or the game mechanisms themselves like you know fomo um fear of missing out um you know thing with destiny and i think destiny has kind of become more of a game that i play because of an intrinsic value of the fear of missing out the kind of constant content grind um, the loot grind to constantly get gear and weapons and, you know, the, the, the anxiety of like feeling like you've missed out on activities, um, are kind of the things they mean by the game mechanisms themselves. Researchers hope that study will introduce a higher standard of evidence, um, of discussion, uh, to discussions about the concepts of video game addiction uh, or digital harms in general, um, President Lucy finished this article by saying, quote, we have really respected important bodies like the WHO and the uh, NHS allocating attention and resources to something that there is literally no good data on. It's shocking to me. The reputational risk that everyone takes, whoops, sorry, that everyone 
everyone's taken given the stakes for them to turn around and be like hey this thing that's 95 percent of teenagers do yeah that's addictive no we don't have any data for that and it doesn't really make any sense um are video games addictive they can be i'm not gonna lie um as a gamer as someone who has gamed most of his life they definitely can be addictive destiny has been an addiction in a lot of ways uh, where it has been difficult for me to play other games but there are other reasons why and i'm actually going to look at some of the reasons why um in a second but when we say addiction we look at things like a poor balance like inability to disengage um that the game essentially is taking away from your ability to finish other projects or to finish other task demands that you have in your life um i wouldn't necessarily say that to be true for sure and for some people you know yes it can be addictive but that's where things like parenting come in where you're trying to set more um better habits um boundaries limits to how long your kids can play those things also help when they get older so what are psychological benefits of video games so i have an article here from an organization that's that specific specifically looks into clinical research and developing um different types of um articles and different types of supports specifically involving video games this is an article from an organization called Checkpoint. This is checkpoint.org.com is the website. So the, the psychological benefits of video games. Um, so question, have you ever played video games that immersed you so deeply that you can, that you can, that you came away thinking and feeling differently about life? Um, the people at Checkpoint said that we believe that gaming can foster health and well-being, enhance social connectedness and flourish and help you flourish through challenges, immersion and flow. So the research shows, do you feel that video games can have an emotional or psychological benefit for you? Um, 90% of the people responding in the research said yes. So here's some things about video games that can be very 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 helpful um games for well-being the this article here is kind of about submissions of, about games that that provide a couple different well-being scores so look at four different categories as far as well-being in the forms of relaxation story narrative um immersiveness or escapism which you know is a game that kind of sucks you in and allows you to kind of escape from the realities of life that is going on around you relatedness and challenge so let's look at some of the examples that they mentioned and one that i'll say for last and i'll talk about my experience with it so let's look at a game like bound it is a kind of narrative driven video game um, a little bit of an adventure game puzzle narrative so bound they described it as it helps it helps inspire me that beauty and doing the things I love can repair the broken parts from my past and prepare me for a, a better future. So this is a game that highlights trauma and well-being. So 
a game like Florence. So these are um, descriptions that um, individuals wrote about some of the game experiences that they had. A game like Florence. Florence has a global narrative that has helped me cope with an ending relationship. The mechanisms are intrinsically linked to building the relationship, letting it go, and ultimately finding yourself. A game like Hollow Knight. I find Hollow Knight is incredibly relaxing and atmospheric with some of the most beautiful, soothing music I've ever heard. I've actually heard that about a game like um, Ori and the Blind Forest. Um, I know uh, the Wound God over there um, at the uh, Gaspod Network um, talked about how Ori and the Blind Forest was really, really fun to play and very enjoyable for him. I think Monique also talked about it as well. Um, and Quita as well, I believe, that it was a very just kind of soothing platformer game that just kind of just the music and the atmosphere of the game just kind of takes you away. Uh, Persona 5, which is a game I hear a lot of people talk about. I've never played it. And I believe it's a PlayStation exclusive, which probably tells is why I've never played it. Uh, Persona 5 is one of the most life, life affirming games I've ever played. There is a strong emphasis on recovering from trauma, the um, power of friendship and trust, Overcoming hardships. Um, I'm sorry. Let me click the read more here. Um, and actually, I have a really good example that I hear a bunch of people talking about in, in regards to this. Oh, wow. They actually wrote a nice description for this. The game uses um, the game uses a calendar system in which you go about your daily life with a huge selection of things to do. The game reminds you to take your time, yet lets you feel... Um, you never have enough time to do everything so you can learn how to prioritize tasks, your social links, and so much more. At the end of the day, you come to return to a cafe that sells coffee and curry and soothing jazz music makes you feel right at home. I actually kind of want to check that out now. Um, I've heard a game, this game called um, Wayfair, which actually is a very amazing game that deals with death and the grieving process um, where you are kind of ushering on people in your your family members uh, or people in your life that have passed on that you're kind of ushering and helping them transition over. Um, another game that I've heard Kid Fury on the read mention and talk about a bunch of times is Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Sometimes I just load it up and wander around exploring. I don't engage in battles. I don't do any shrines. I just climb mountains and look at the view. It's incredibly peaceful and meditative. I'm not sure that they ever meant for it, for it to do that, but it does. It can help when you're feeling overwhelmed with everything. Now, obviously, it's an action-adventure game because it's The Legend of Zelda. Um, and a story-driven narrative. Um, high rates high on escapism and relatedness. Um, rates kind of middle of the row as far as relaxation and challenge goes. Um, let's look at The Long Dark. The description of The Long Dark, um, it is higher on relaxation, um, about midway on story and challenge, about 75% on immersiveness, escapism, and related uh, relatedness. Um, the Long Dark Checkpoint Community says meditative wandering experience. I recommend sandbo sandbox mode for casual when you need 
it play. Now, um, let's look at Selma and the Wisp. It's another game here. Some of these games are console games. Some of them are PC. You can find them on Steam. Um, some of them are Xbox or PlayStation games. Um, it's a platformer that says a good lesson from this is that if you know someone struggling with mental illness, you should be there for them. Also, never stray too far away because um, you may be their only saving grace. On the opposite end of the spectrum, a person suffering from mental illness should never feel like they're alone. Another message would be not to give up just because you can't find a way, no matter how defeated you may feel. Now, of all the games that they listed here, there's one that is very, very, very near and dear to my heart. And it is why we have the episode titled today. And it is why we have the clip that we have at the beginning of the show. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the greatness and utter addiction that is Destiny and Destiny 2. Now, wielding space magic to fight back the darkness is incredibly powerful, empowering, and the social aspect of the game has given the opportunity for great friendships. If I can take you back to a time, I the game dropped out in 2014. Um, now, when initially we bought the game and the game came out, I was playing with uh, my actual best friends, you know, Dustin and Ricky, and we were, you know, kind of doing our thing and hanging out and kicking it. Now, obviously, at the time, all three of us were married still at the time. Um, well, I was still married also, so all three of us were married at the time. And slowly but surely, the homies kind of lost interest in the game. Um, so I kind of started going it alone and doing, you know, going on what we call LFGs, which is looking for group, um, you know, message boards, trying to find people to play with. So. 2015 and the summer 2015 kind of comes around. Um, well, actually, the late end of 2014, around the time, you know, I started really getting into podcast listening a lot, um, listening to the Blackout Tips, and um, Sterling was on one of the episodes of Blackout Tips. So I was like, yeah, that dude pretty funny. Let me check what his podcast is out. So the very first gaming and then some episode I actually listened to was the episode that they did on having an addiction to destiny, um, which I was like, huh, I kind of got that, too. A um, few months went by and Wound decided that, hey, you know, we're going to open up the, the clan to listeners of the podcast if y'all want to come through and play with us. And when we talk about how. Video games can be beneficial beneficial for your mental health. I say this with all the love in the world. I could have never imagined that cats on the internet who, many of which I've still not met in person yet, but how cats on the internet in a community on the internet through video gaming has had such an amazing impact on my overall well-being. Um, I can't say it enough that Wound and... You know, the homies, you know, Monique, Quita, Dago, uh, Donnie, Malcolm, Joe, the homie Darkseid, um, you know, all those guys. Fell five while he was still playing. Um, Phenom, Phenom Blackford was my 40 acres when he was still playing. Um, all of y'all, you know, through 
a lot of different difficult moments in my life, especially towards the end of my marriage and the end of my marriage and my divorce. A lot of nights were spent going, hopping in the group chat, just, you know, getting a lot of that stress off my chest, getting, you know, a lot of that stuff off my mind and focusing on the task at hand, whether that was running through PVP, doing, you know, Iron Banner or just regular Crucible or getting just murked in Trials of Osiris or grinding through the raids and finally, and I mean finally beating King's Fall through doing a Nightfall, Strikes, whatever it was in Destiny or in Destiny 2. The community and the community-based play that the game is built upon has created a lot of friendships um, for me and a, a, a calm space to enjoy gaming, to have fun, to kick back, to relax, you know, with fairly like-minded people to, to get a little toxic sometimes and talk trash, um, to just have fun. Um, and I think especially working in mental health and, you know, having a very stressful job, I think having that space to Kick it with the homies. Oh, also, shout out to Aaron Freeman. I didn't want to leave Aaron out. Um, Unreasonable Fridays over there. Shout out to Bacon. Um, my my friends online. It's been an amazing experience. And, you know, we have the conversation often that video games don't really provide that a benefit. But I would encourage you to go check out Checkpoint and check out their archive of articles and resources diving into the um, benefits of gaming. Um, I think we'll look into more of this next week. Um, I see a article here about getting over it, and I think it'd be a good time to uh, to pull up Corey Kitchen's video of him playing getting over it. Um uh, yeah, so we're actually going to look back into this a little bit more and look at some other ways that gaming may have some benefit on your mental health. We'll look at a couple more articles next week and follow up on this topic. So um, I went a little bit longer than I was expecting to go, but let me go get this up. So yeah, I'll give you a little something to listen to this week and I finally take some rest for the evening. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for, well, ladies and gentlemen and days and thems. Thank you so much for listening to The Captain's Couch. Leave a five-star review. Rate the show, please. If you rate the show five stars, please leave a five-star review on iTunes so I can read it on the show and give you some lovely music to play on the background of it. Um, if you are a hater and you are salty because the Bucks won the Super Bowl, please still give a five-star review and you can just say, "I you suck, the Bucks shouldn't have won, it was rigged for Brady, and I'll probably still read it on the air. Um, I hooked up my homie, uh, the homie D Palm from, uh, 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 the unanimous decision, uh, podcast, hiked him up with a five-star review one day, um, talking about, um, the Atlanta Falcons, um, and the, um, dysfunctional nature of that organization. But thank you so much guys for listening. We will be back next week for session number 69. Nice of the podcast it may be late i am planning to go to texas to celebrate my birthday next week so hopefully we'll be able to get it out by tuesday morning when it's supposed to be out but i will let you guys know so until then may the force be with you go bucks peace
Congregation, will you turn your text to the book about cast? Chapter 2, verse 1, the first one to feel me. Jump up and make a joyful noise, you've outcasted. Meaning, now you have a choice like that. You'll be where you are.